Hi, my name is Mike Glenn. I am the senior pastor of Brentwood Baptist Church and the first pastor of Kairos. That was a long time ago. In fact, we started, uh, how long has that been, Box? 15, 16 years we've been doing this? Okay, how long have you and Keely been married? Because you were not married when we were doing it. 16, you've been married? 16? Yeah, Box was the young, hot, single thing of Kairos. All the girls wanted to know who the guitar player was. And then he brought Keely in from Oklahoma, and everybody wanted to know who Keely was. So, so 16, 17 years we've been doing this. I started doing this uh, at the invitation of a group of young single adults who were part of Brentwood Baptist Church. Uh, we were uh, just had moved into this building. Things were going. We were, you know, growing and doing all the things that Baptist churches are supposed to do. And this group that I had known literally since they were kids, uh, I've been at this church long enough now that the kids have now had kids. And, and now I have grandchildren in the church, which is a little freaky. Um, but uh, those young adults took me out, made a, 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 an impressive presentation about they wanted a, a, a singles youth, uh, singles worship service. Uh, and they wanted it modeled off of a couple of the things that were happening in Dallas and Atlanta and some other places. And they asked for my help. I told them I would be glad to help, but I didn't have time to do it. But I would help them get it started. Eleven years later, I stepped down. And, and I stepped down because there were four generations under me in Kairos. Which means when I would tell the story of an illustration, the, the younger crew had no idea what I was talking about. Uh, and you find yourself radically out of step. And, and, and that's okay. That's what happens when you get a little older. Uh, and, and then we brought in Chris. And Chris was here for five years or so. And now Chris has gone to plant a church. And uh, we're bringing in Mike Harder. Uh, and why am, why am I here on, on this night? Uh, I want to be sure that Mike Harder takes good care of you. Now, of all the things that I have been part of in the 30 years that I have been pastor of Brentwood Baptist Church, Kairos continues to be the most special thing to me. Uh, you have no idea what happened in my life because I was part of Kairos. I was at a critical time in my own ministry. And maybe you can understand this, maybe you can't. But I was in real danger of becoming a Baptist CEO where I would be the CEO of a church, but I wouldn't be the pastor. I wouldn't be the preacher. That's a different relationship. Now, maybe I'll get that, maybe you don't. And it was at Kairos where I was reminded again of what happens when you trust the word to do what the word does. And that's what changed for me. I can remember we were, we were trying to do Kairos. 
It was rolling around like a lead balloon. It wasn't. We did everything that the experts told us to do, and it stunk. And so I brought him in, sat him down at the table, and said, what do you want? We can, do back, we can throw any pitch we need to throw. Just tell us what you want. I can still remember the guy's face. Read it. Tell me what it means. Tell me how I do it. That's not creative. We've never heard this before. What do you mean you've never heard this? You, grow, you grew up in the, in the, uh, on the buckle of the Bible belt. We've never heard this before. How can you grow up in a Baptist church and not have heard this before? So I went back to our student ministry and said, whatever you think you're doing, you're not doing. Blow it up. <laughs> okay? It's not our job to take the students to the beach. Okay? That's mom and dad's job. It's our job to help them grow up into faith. That's our job. And you know who got mad at us when we changed all that? Parents. Parents got mad at us. Well, I went to beach camp. They need to go to beach camp. No, they don't. Look what it did for you. Oh, yeah, that's the other thing Kairos taught me. Uh, we're talking, uh, going through Ephesians, right through Ephesians, verse by verse. And I get to the point where it says, honor your parents. Okay? It's right there in the Bible. Command. Honor your parents. doesn't say honor them if they're good people. Honor them if they're cool. doesn't say that. It says honor your parents, period. Little guy right here to my left sitting at the table says, I can't do that. He says it loud enough for me to hear him. He doesn't know he said it loud enough for me to hear him. And I stop. What did you say? Nothing. <laughs> what, did you, what, what did you say? And now all of a sudden, this, this guy didn't have one friend at his table. Everybody's, <laughs> everybody's doing it. He's on his own. Just me and him. I said, no, tell me what you said. He says, I can't do that. I said, why not? He said, I can't honor my dad. I said, well, it's command. It's not a suggestion. It's command. And he says, I can't. I said, why not? My dad left when I was two years old. I haven't seen him. It's been me and my mom since I was two years old. She worked three jobs most of my life. I worked two just to put myself through college. And now I'm through college. Now my mom is doing okay. And I'll tell you right now, I'll never honor that son of a Baptist. <laughs> Except he didn't say Baptist. <laughs> because he never honored me. And there I am standing, and he's looking at me, I'm looking at him, and everybody's looking at somebody's done cussed in church, and this is, we're going to get stuff. And I had no idea what to do next. None. So I looked at him, and I said, come back next week. We're going to talk about what you do when dad's disappointed and mom's let you down. I bought a week. <laughs> <laughs> So, when we got to the end of that series, I put out mailbox in the back of Kairos. And there was pencils and paper and pens and all that. And I said, you're going to write your dad a Father's Day card. I don't care if the only thing you write is, I don't want to hate you anymore. But you're going to do it. 
And so Kairos grabbed the pens and the, and the cards and they spread out all over Wilson Hall. And they were laying on the floors and they would try to write and they would lay their heads down and they would cry. And they would try to write and they couldn't. So I said, if you get stuck, I'll be sitting over his side. Come on, talk to me. There was one girl who made sure she was last. She let everybody else go ahead of her. She was last. She sat down and she handed me the blank card. My dad started abusing me when I was seven years old, she said. What do I write? And we both cried. I don't know what you write. I remember limping out to my car that night and putting my head on the steering wheel and saying I have no idea what to do. But if you will tell me what to do, Jesus, I promise you I will do it or I will die trying. That's what Kairos did for me. It broke my heart when I found out that when we taught on the Lord's Prayer, we had to stop because when we said our Father, it messed some of you up. Because you had a relationship with your dad that froze you, that scared you. And when I told you that God loved you like a father, it frightened you. I can't imagine that. I have a great dad. You grow up, and when you're growing up with him, you think he's normal. You think everybody is like my dad. They're not. So we had to spend an entire night about how if the father metaphor doesn't work for you, that's okay. Jesus gave us lots of metaphors. Shepherd, warrior, friend. You choose what metaphor works for you. One of my friends sent a father, uh, their Father's Day card. She stood next to me. She was looking straight ahead, wouldn't look at me. She said, I mailed my father his card. I said, you did? She wouldn't look at me. Yeah. Then she said, I hope he chokes on it. <laughs> I said, well, the only thing I asked you to do was mail it. We'll work on attitude now, but let's just celebrate the first start. Okay. Uh, Cairo has changed the way I preached. Uh, some of the bluntest, most brutal preaching I did was here. Um, because of, of, of where you guys came in and the stories you told me, what you were dealing with. Things like, you know, people say, you can't say that. You have to say that. Things like, the world tells you in this hookup culture that you're not normal if you're not sexually active when you're 12, 13, 14 years old. That's what the world tells you. That is a lie. It's what the world did and will not tell you because the world doesn't know. God, God gave us the language of sex. 
okay? It is a language. It communicates. And it is reserved for the communication between a committed man and a committed wife. The husband who has said to the wife, I'm going to be here come hell or high water. That's what the vows say. It's a little more poetic, but it's basically that. I'm here, hell or high water. The wife has said to the husband, I'm here, hell or high water. And they have committed their life together under the lordship of Jesus Christ. That's a Christian marriage. When they make love, their souls touch. When the marriage is committed, the souls touch and they bond. When the relationship isn't committed, they touch and bond and pull apart. And when you pull apart, it rips. It tears the soul. Now, your soul will heal, but it will scar. What do we know about scars? They don't have feeling. They don't have feeling. And you will get to the point, and many of your friends have, where souls touch and they can't feel anything. You've been lied to. That's why we do Kairos. We wanted a safe place where you know, one, you're loved. We don't care where you've come from. We don't care what you've done. We don't care what your name is. We care about your name to know you. But whatever baggage you're bringing in here, welcome to the party. Okay? All of us brought in some baggage. All of us brought in some stuff. We wanted a safe place where you could do that. We wanted a safe place where you could say, I'm not okay. And you'd have somebody who loved you. We wanted a safe place where you'd have somebody you get to know who'd call you and check on you during the week, see how you were doing. And that's why we do this. Uh, and, and to look at you and to see so many of you I do not know thrills me more than I can tell you. Because you've heard about, Ky some, some, about Kairos from somebody who did know. Who's somebody who did know, somebody who did know. Okay, there, there's probably five or six generations of people between the last time I taught here and your experience of Kairos. The challenge of the Christian faith is always how do we hand it to the next generation so that it stays real and alive. Uh, talking to Timothy, here's what Paul says. My son, I want you to be strong in the grace that is in, that is in Christ Jesus, what you heard from me in the presence of many witnesses. I want you to pass on so that they, in turn, can teach others. So they, in turn, can teach others. You know you're starting to get across the message when your membership starts using your phrases against you. 
uh, when I read scriptures on Sunday morning, I'll hold the Bible up and say, this is God's word for God's people. Hear it, believe it, and live. And now parents are telling me that their children in their nightly devotions with, this is God's word for God's people. Okay, I've been here long enough now, I've been saying it enough now, you're about, you're about to get it, uh, and that kind of stuff. The danger is always that we will have a significant moment for one generation, for one group of people to never be able to pass it. And that will never happen to you. And so nothing will get passed on from you. And it will stop. Several years ago, in the Olympics, the Americans had both the fastest women's team and the fastest men's team. I love the Olympics, especially uh, the, the, the track events. There's nothing like watching a couple of guys go full out. Okay? But it's just, bam! You know, and now they're coming around there and they're handing off this baton. The only thing that matters is handing off that baton. And the men's team dropped the baton and lost the race. The women's team, Flojo was part of this team. Y'all don't know Flo Joe? Come on, somebody got to know Flo Joe now. Come on. She'd been two seconds faster. She trimmed her nails. Her nails were out like to this and painted all those colors. Fast. Dropped the baton. Lost the Olympics. My fear is that we'll drop the baton. miss the prize it's not enough that I have a real experience with Jesus I've got to find a way to help you do the same thing or we miss the prize that's why we're grateful to recognize I've known Mike Carter for a long time uh, I knew him when he first started the church and we watched him go through all of the transitions that the gospel church has been through and when we started looking and talking and found out that, that Mike was interested and we were interested, it was a real quick conversation because I've known him that long. So I'm going to give him a few minutes. A few minutes, Mike. Okay, you can tell time. Okay, to come up and talk about what he sees happening from this moment on and the vision he has. Then we're going to come back and we're going to pray over him. And, uh, and release him to do the ministry here at, uh, at Kairos. You mic'd up? I am. I'm going to sit up here and look at my watch. I, I'm ready for all the mic puns, right? <laughs> uh, good evening, Kairos. It's good to see you. Um, I've been praying for this moment for a long time. And now that it's here, it's a little surreal because it's getting very real, right? Uh, Mike and I and others here on this team, we've been praying for this moment for a long time. And I believe that God has brought us to this moment in time for a reason. And it's an incredible honor to be here in front of you guys. I think the best part of Kairos is the people. God has placed you here in this room for a real purpose and he is going to do something incredible 
through your life because your life matters. You matter. You matter because God says so. You matter because Jesus went to the cross because he loves you and cares about you. And he thinks that you are someone that he wants to be in a relationship with. And that's wonderful. I know we can skate by that so fast sometimes, right? It's just a given. God loves me. Cool. What's next? But let's not take that for granted tonight, that God has a clear purpose and calling on your life. And I hope that together as a community, we can discover what that will be. I'm so grateful to Mike Glenn. He's been an incredible mentor and friend. He's been just an incredible encouragement to me. And I just love how faithful he's been to pursue God all these years here at Brentwood. And it's an honor that he's invited me in to be a part of what God is doing here at Kairos in this next season. And I know that there's a lot going on. Like, I mean, honestly, it's been overwhelming to meet how uh, all the incredible people that I've met so far. I, I hope to meet every single one of you individually as well. I know it's, it's, uh, it's a lot of new names and new faces. But I believe that in all of this, that God wants to tell an incredible story through this ministry. I believe the best days of Kairos are ahead of us. So I wanted to share just four quick uh, uh, hopes that I have for Kairos. Before I do that, let me just tell you a little bit about myself. I know that many of us have not met yet. Um, I uh, am married to Tabitha Harder. Tabitha and I have been married for uh, 14 years, um, and that's pretty awesome. It was 14. It was 13. 13, right? It's kind of like confusing at this point. Uh, nonetheless, every single one of those years have been incredible. So I, I got that wrong right off the bat. You're like, you don't even know how many years you've been married. That's awesome. Uh, <laughs> yeah. All right. So we got that going for us. Uh, nonetheless, uh, Tabitha and I, we were married. We got three wonderful girls, Abigail, Violet, and Georgia. And they are a joy. They're here tonight with us. And uh, in fact, my entire family is here. They're here repping Team Harder, which is great. And uh, we're grateful that God has allowed us to have just a strong community. So uh, really glad to see that they're here tonight. But I wanted to say this. Um, my hope for, for, for Kairos is really wrapped up in these four key ideas. The first is this. My hope is that here in this room that we would have an experience with God, an authentic, real encounter with the holy God of the universe. Because we're not here just to go uh, hang out or meet people or find friendship. Ultimately, what we're here for is we want to know Jesus Christ and fall in love with him, right? That's what we want to be about. It's my hope that Kairos would be a place where men and women would come and fall in love with Jesus. That they would awaken something within them, a new, new experience, a new love for Christ that's authentic and real and genuine, that changes their life forever. And that's my hope for this this place that every night when we meet, that we would experience Jesus and fall deeper in love with him. Second thing I'm deeply hopeful for is that we would be centered and rooted on the word of God. I thought it was incredible to hear what Mike was saying, that the hunger and the heartbeat of Kairos is centered on the word of God, that we want to be people who know God's word and know the God of the Bible and that that centers every part of our life and our story. 
And that's my commitment to you. You come here, we're going to study God's word. We're going to know what it says. We're going to apply it to our life. And we're going to learn how Jesus wants us to live. That it's going to be the centerpiece of our life. And so that's my second hope. That we'd be people who are rooted in the word of God. And then third, it's my hope that we would become family. The body of Christ is a family, right? We're not just strangers. We're not just people that know each other. That We are a family. We're a community where we are known and we are loved. That this would be a place where we say, these are my people. This is my community. And I am someone that matters here. I'm not someone that can sneak in, sneak out. But that this is a place where I am known and people know me and know my stuff and love me anyway. And then lastly, my hope is that we'd be a place where we have a missionary mentality. So I grew up on the mission field. I'm from Bogota, Colombia. That's where my parents uh, served for 30 years. And one of the things that was so crazy to me is that when I came back to the United States, I found that uh, a lot of people thought missions was something people only did internationally. Like, I got to go over there. But what I realized is that our city is filled with people who don't know Jesus. Isn't that crazy? You know the people I'm talking about. You know people that you work with or you go to school with or that you go to the gym with or you, you go play sports with that grew up in church but have not given their life to Jesus, right? And here's the thing that's so amazing is that God could have sent you anywhere. Like if you love Jesus, you said, I'm all in. God has the right to send you anywhere. He could send you to South Africa or Cambodia or the Amazon jungle. But instead of sending you there, guess where he sent you? He sent you right here, Brentwood, Tennessee. And he sent you to your city. And when we realize that God has a purpose for our life and he sent us to where we are, we have an opportunity to engage with God's presence and God's power in unprecedented ways. When it's no longer, hey, my pastor does this, or my small group leader does this, or my friend who's really spiritual and may go to seminary someday does this. But when I do this, when I own God's mission and God's love for his people and love for our city, when I own that, there's something incredible that's unlocked in your life. There's something incredible that happens. Because all of a sudden, you get in the game instead of just watching the game. All of a sudden, you're participating and you're experiencing God's power in real time. So I promised I wouldn't go very long. Mike, how much time do I have left? Okay, I'm almost done. But I just want to just give you one piece of vision. I think, I think it's important. What I felt like the Spirit of God was pressing in on me as we were uh, worshiping and as I was listening to Mike, I just felt that this would be a good time to kind of just put this out there. I want this to be a place where we can dream about what God could do through us. Wouldn't that be cool uh, for us to experience God uh, and his work in our city in new ways? That God would do something that is something only that God could do. Where we would see our friends and our family members that we thought were too far gone that they would never believe, that they would never hope again, that they would never trust in Christ. The people that would go, man, these people are just, just so lost that they would never darken the door of a church, that they would come here. And that we would have an opportunity to see them fall in love with Jesus. Wouldn't it be incredible if this was ground zero 
for a movement of God that would sweep over our city and we would see people fall in love with Jesus for the very first time. Wouldn't that be amazing? So I'm going to invite you to start praying towards that right now. That God would do something in us and through us. Something that only he can do. That he would raise up for himself a generation of people that love God and will do whatever he wants us to do. That's something worth giving our lives to, right? Being people who say, God, we're in. We love you. And anything you want us to do, our yes is on the table. We're in. And I believe if we commit ourselves to doing that, God could take our ordinary, very boring lives and do something awesome with it. And that's my prayer and my hope for us.